everywhere the surfer goes. Eight days later, the planet dies. All that you know is at an end. How do you fight something that can eat planets? Leave that to me. I'm so hot for you right now. Me too! Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Welcome to Unloved Sequels, the podcast that brings you a blow-by-blow critique of Hollywood's worst-rated sequels. You know, the ones that some people think should never have been made. We're your hosts, Michael, say hello. Hello. And I'm Claire. In this episode, we're heading to the lab to investigate a series of unusual power outages and deep craters in the Earth, seemingly caused by a surfboarding alien. Michael, it's time to wrap up Superhero Month with a pre-MCU Marvel franchise. What's the movie? This week, we're off on an adventure with Reed, Susan, Johnny and Ben to face off an intellectual messenger who has arrived to prepare us for the destruction of Earth and a franchise. This is Fantastic Four, The Rise of the Silver Surfer. So, The Rise of the Silver Surfer came out on June the 15th, 2007. Um, it had a box office total of $301.9 million against a budget mm-hmm. of 130 million. No, okay, that's not bad. Triple its money. It did. The first movie made 334 million against a budget of 100 million. So they increased the budget, but didn't get the yes. return back. And on. then they re- reduced the return. But it's not hugely different. No, but review-wise and critic-wise, we'll go into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the top-grossing movies of that year, oh. And a lot of sequels. A lot, a lot, a lot of sequels. Well, we're in the 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 two thousand. What, what do you call the thousands? The thousands. The noughties. We're, we're, twen- we're two thousand to twenty ten. That, that was like you couldn't move for sequels. Yeah, during but is that it period, the noughties. Noughties. That's the word. Naughties. Yes, I'm just gonna I'm gonna shove a little apology in here, mostly to Michael, partly to the listeners. Um, I had a coffee this morning with a friend, and I forgot to ask for decaf, so I'm a little bit jittery. I apologise to luck, Michael everybody. for the editing job that's lying ahead of you. And I apologise <laughs> to listeners for any bullshit that Michael just can't bear to work through to edit out. Um, <laughs> so if I say the wrong words or if I just go off talking shit, it blame the caffeine. Oh, geez, The noughties, yes, that's what I meant. Okay, so the biggest grossing film of that year was Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Then moving Which down one the- is that in the... In third, the, the franchise, that's that a... was a, th- a third one. That was the end of the original trilogy, wasn't it? Okay, yeah. I don't and know. That was the end of the original trilogy. That's why it's a big film. Yeah, the same. Okay. So, and then we've got Harry Potter, The Order of the Phoenix, mm-hmm. Spider Man Three, mm-hmm. the third, and they're oh the God, top grossing movies. So we'll sequels. Then we get an original one. Well, not really original. Transformers. Then... <laughs> yeah, that's not an original movie. It's the first in a franchise, but it's still a franchise, and it's still a yeah. reboot of an existing idea. Yes. Ratatouille. Okay, that's a new idea, I think. I don't think that was... Was that based on anything? Don't think so. Maybe a book. Well done, Disney. Disney. Great film. Haven't had a sequel to that yet. One that I would like to see a sequel to. Yeah. Why haven't we got a sequel to Ratatouille yet, Disney? I Am Legend. Yeah, Disney. That's an original, but that's a adaptation, isn't it, of a book? Yeah, it is. And they're only just processing to do a sequel now. That's in pre-production at the moment. Wow. Because we know how well it works when you take out a, a sequel 15 years 
after the original movie. Oh, yes. Worked so well. So good. That Plus, they probably won't succeed. get Will Smith in it anyway because of <laughs> yeah. Scandalous. Mm, anyway. Then the Simpsons movie. Oh, good God. I mean, it's a decent movie. I like the movie, but it, there's not much originality in this chart, I have to say. No. Then National Treasure, The Book of Secrets. One, I didn't realise the mo- that, that movie engrossed so much money and was in the top I 10. know. And this is why I, we haven't covered it yet, because it's really successful. Is that the sequel? Is that the sequel? Book of Secrets is the... Uh, See, I don't know. I've never seen them. You're a fan of these movies. You haven't seen them? No. Oh, we should just do it anyway. I'll, I'll do some research. I'll see if we can cover them because they're, they're good movies. We like those. And 300, the uh, Zack Schneider movie. Which is also a comic book adaptation, isn't it? Yep. There is no originality in the top So there of... is not a single, ori- apart from Ratatouille. Yes. There is not a single original concept on no. that list. No, and I probably you'll probably wow. do. Somebody will contact us and go. Ratatouille was a kids' book. Well, I would totally believe because Disney maybe, but it's not as mainstream as you know some of the others. No, that is very true. No, it's not like Transformers. No. So this movie ended up at number seventeen in the worldwide box office. Maybe I've had oh, okay. too much. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not great either for like for the amount of effort and publicising. I suppose yeah, Marvel promos. probably disagree with me on it being okay. They were probably. But this, is, for this was a time when Marvel wasn't making money. This was before Marvel Disney. This is Marvel mm, Fox. Yeah, this is going to be the biggest grossing movie ever made. This is just like this is a cheap. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a cheap property. We're yeah, Marvel wasn't the powerhouse that it is. No. Now, in terms the of the mouth, was not in charge of the Marvel world, no, so it was a bit sad. But I do have some unnotable, unloved sequels that came out that year that oh. we might cover in the future. So, Evan Almighty, the sequel to Evan Almighty, you've never seen it. That's right, up don't there. like Jim Carrey. I know Jim Carrey is not in, in that it. One, but... I know, I know. But he's in the first one, and I'm not really big into watching sequels if I haven't watched the first. I've seen bits of it. But, but they're completely different stories, completely different character. The only know, linking thing is Morgan Freeman is God, and that's the only difference in the two stories. Well, Morgan Freeman is God. Well, we know that. That's just, or the apart president. from Alanis Morissette. Or the president. That's his two yes. jobs. We need God yes. or president, we'll get Morgan Freeman. Uh, Rush Hour 3, I haven't seen any of the Rush Hour I haven't movies. seen, no. Mr. Bean's Holiday. No. Uh, no. I haven't oh, seen, no. I love Mr. Bean. You don't like Mr. Bean? I don't mind Mr. Bean, but I don't want to watch a Mr. Bean movie. Like, I can watch little, like, my kids like Mr. Bean cartoons. I can cope with that. But I don't want to watch a whole movie of Mr. Bean. Don't, please well, don't make me watch two movies of Mr. Bean. I'm going to make you watch two movies of Mr. Bean. Please don't make me. Listeners, tell I'm him not do. to make me do it. <laughs> And then one film we are going to cover next year, because but it's a prequel, not a sequel, but it does open up with the voice character in the further along categories, is Hannibal Rising. Ah, uh, yes. So this film currently sits at 37% for critics on Rotten Tomato and 51% audience. Mm. So there's a little bit of divide there. A little bit of divide. Yeah, it is a bit of a divide. But Claire, do you have any behind-the-scenes stuff for us? So in terms of the progression from original movie to sequel, this all seems very standard. We've got, what, two years between the mo- the two movies. Yeah. It's just a very basic standard. This movie did okay, let's commission a sequel. Let's have a look at what stories we can use. We've got the same core team. So all of our, um, our main actors are all back. We've got Ewan Griffith back as 
Mr. Fantastic as Reed Richards. We've got Jessica Alba back as Sue Storm, also known as Invisible Woman. We've got Chris Evans back as Johnny Storm, also known as Human Torch. We've got Michael Chiklis back as Ben Grimm, also known as The Thing. We've also got Julian McMahon back as Victor Von Doom, known as Doctor Doom. Oh and God, we've I got Kerry him. Washington back. Uh, oh, Julian McMahon. Yeah. Love him. Love oh him. Oh, my God. Um, and we've so got good. Kerry Washington back as Alicia, who is uh, Ben's girlfriend in both movies we've got um the same director tim story did both installments of the franchise we've got some of the same writing team so obviously the the characters are based on characters by stanley and jack kirby which is the same for both movies because it's the same characters we've got for the first movie the story and screenplay were by Mark Frost and Michael Franz. And then for Rise of the Silver Surfer, Mark Frost is back, but he's writing um, story is Mark Frost and John Terman and screenplay is Mark Frost and Don Payne. So essentially it's the same team. Yeah. few little tweaks, same core cast, same core creatives. So far, so blah in terms of progression to sequel. We've got a few new cast members coming in. We've got uh, Andre Brower. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his surname in as General Hager. We've got lovely Doug Jones in as the Silver Surfer. I didn't know that Doug Jones was the body of the Silver Surfer until I rewatched the movie. I've seen this movie a few times. I guess probably, though, when I watched it before, because I wasn't as into... famous. Yeah, and I wasn't as into Hocus Pocus, which is where I primarily know him from. When this movie came out, that was probably the thing he was best known for at that point. And he's gone on to do other bits of motion capture stuff. But I wasn't as into Hocus Pocus in the sort of late noughties as I have become. So Mm -hmm. he wasn't really on my radar. And so then when I was looking back for this, I was like, oh, it's Doug Jones. And then you watch, and you, oh, actually, yeah, you can see that it's Doug well, Jones. He, he got really kind of like, when people start to recognise his name and go back to his previous work, it's probably when he did Shape of Water. And he played yes. the Mermaid Man, and that's when he was a bit... Yes. It was a bit like, when I think of him, I also think of Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis. Yeah. I always yeah. think uh, that always comes to mind. with him. Yes, I mean, Andy Serkis is kind of known as the guy for motion capture. But yeah, you're yeah. right. Doug Jones has done a lot of that. Kind of, but he's a little bit more under the radar. So yeah, we've got Doug Jones playing the Silver Surfer, but we've got Lawrence Fishburne voicing the Silver Surfer, which is one of the reasons I didn't realise it was Doug Jones playing Silver Surfer, because I knew that Lawrence Fishburne was the Silver Surfer. I knew he wasn't the body, but I hadn't really thought about who was the body. Bo Garrett joins the cast as Frankie Ray. And uh, I'm going to give special mention to Brian Posehn, I think is how you say his name. He's the, He plays the wedding minister yes. in, at the beginning and the end. And he has done loads of stuff since then. I know him from The Good Place. I watched it. I was like, oh, it's the guy from The Good Place. But he's done loads of other stuff as well. In terms of kind of background info on the production... General Hager was a part that was kind of created for this movie. Originally, that character, that function in the movie was going to be fulfilled with Nick Fury's character. He was going to be in the movie. But then there were rights issues because there's this weird thing with a lot of the Marvel property that some companies own the rights to some of it and some companies own the rights to other bits of it. So um, Fox, certainly at the point this movie was being made, it may have since changed. I'm not sure. Well, Fox Fox is owned by Disney now, so it's all underneath Disney. Oh, so it's all become one property. So Fox had the rights to Fantastic Four, Mm -hmm. but Marvel Studios 
had the rights to Nick Fury and they obviously couldn't reach some sort of agreement of how to get Nick Fury into this Fox yeah. movie. So they had to to change the character. So they out went Nick Fury, who obviously we all now know we see later in the MCU kind yeah. of expanded franchise. And General Hager was written in, but he he fulfills the same role that Nick Fury was, was going to fulfill. And there's a, a piece of dialogue the uh, Mr. Fantastic's big speech that he does about um, his childhood bully from who was on the football team and now, uh, and I was just the geeky little nerd who stayed in and did my study. You know the speech I mean? Yeah. yeah, the, 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 um, yeah. And that is basically lifted almost word for word from a conversation between Mr. Fantastic and Nick Fury in the Ultimate Extinction comic book storyline. They just yeah. lifted that and put it into the movie. Oh, yes. And in that same speech, he says something about being, um, I'm engaged to the the hottest woman on the planet, which I don't think is in that bit from Ultimate Extinction. But they kind of snuck that in because it was just after Jessica Alba had been voted sexiest female alive. Yeah. So they, they snuck that in. I always get upset thinking about this. When I was watching this movie, the one thing I really liked about, I, I like the chemistry between the four of them, is so mm. good. And they're, apart from Chris Evans, the other three are so underused now. Jessica Alba, I think, is great in these movies. And I just, when I was watching it, I was just like, what? what? Like, she was so big, like Sex Woman Alive. She was. She, she was. was in so many movies. And she's not a bad actress. And I was no, just like, I was like, oh, what has she done? What has she done recently? And I couldn't, nothing came to mind. Not so much. I want, I, this was before she had her family, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think she did take a bit of a step back when she had her children. But yeah, she's she, yeah, she's worked, but um, she's not had the big kind of the big roles and the big exposure movies, certainly. Mm. That she, like you say, she was absolutely huge back then. And Johan Griffith, I mean, he again, he's constantly worked. He's I've I've seen movies that he's made since then, TV shows. He's done a couple of really good TV show, series and uh, miniseries that I've seen him in. He's fantastic. But he, yeah, he's. No plays at He's the old not Vic? had a massive... The young Vic? Uh, no, I've never met... I don't have any tenuous connection. I'm just flicking through. I don't think I have any tenuous connection to this movie. I'm really disappointed. Particularly given that there are some British cast members. Yes. Um, but no, sadly, I've never crossed paths with Ian Griffith. Maybe one day. Because he'd be the kind of person myself. I am at... But he's the kind of person that I would imagine doing a play at the young Vic. Of all the people you've mentioned in the bath, I would imagine yeah. him doing a play. Yeah, but no, I've he's I've never crossed paths with him. Um, I think maybe that my ship has sailed for that now. But uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of Ewan Griffith as well. It's good. So it's I would good. just embarrass myself and fangirl if he did show up anywhere that I was. So it's probably best that I never cross paths with him. This is the first time we see Stan Lee cameo as himself in a Marvel movie. Oh, he, that's interesting. We all know that he cameos in in basically any movie. Or he did, bless him, God bless his soul. He cameoed in all of movies based on in, on any of his kind of characters and properties. This is the first one where he appears as himself. And actually, this is also a lift from the comic books, because in the comic books, when Reed and Sue get married, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, who's the series artist, co-created the characters with him. They get turned away from the wedding in the comic books. So they that's why they wrote that in as his cameo because it just reflects that little nod back. And it was quite unusual. He's the person in the first one, yeah. Yeah. And it's quite unusual in in the Marvel comic books to kind of break the fourth wall in that way by kind of putting a real life character 
into yeah. the comic books but they did I guess because it was the wedding and it was a special thing they they kind of did that the whole thing with Lawrence Fishburne voicing Silver Surfer so originally he was hired to voice Galactus mm. um so they they well so originally they weren't sure whether Galactus was going to speak or not. So early in 2007, when they were working on the movie, in, like in March, they hadn't really finalised the, the design for Galactus. In April, they hired Lawrence Fishburne to do the voice, but they mm-hmm. were still a bit unsure of, of whether they would have Galactus speak or not. Meanwhile, Doug Jones was hired to play the Silver Surfer. Yeah. And then when the decision was made that Galactus was not going to speak they transferred Lawrence Fishburne over to voicing Silver Surfer. Apparently, Doug Jones didn't know he was going to be dubbed. It was oh, a bit no. of a Darth Vader situation, which is a bit awkward and a bit tricky. But yeah, Lawrence Fishburne was I love the way to... you, go, you go to a um, Darth Vader situation. For me, when people get dubbed in movies, I now go My to... My Fair Lady. No, I go Zach oh. on High School Musical. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't fully dubbed, though. No, he was only dubbed for some of his singing. It wasn't all of his singing. Was it, it was all it. Yeah, it was all his singing. Was it all of they, it? Yeah, because they recorded the soundtrack before they filmed the movie, and then the um, the original. Oh, Mr. Was too old to. When they got to actually filming the scenes, they realized he was too old to be in the film, and then they even got Zac Efron in to film it. But then oh. they didn't want to spend the money because they just thought the TV. Oh, movie. I thought it was. I thought that they dubbed because his voice was changing, and so some of the songs he couldn't sing. Because his voice was changing at that point, and so they got Drew Seeley to dub it for him. I didn't realise that Drew no, Seeley was going to have the part. Drew Seeley, that's why Drew Seeley went on around. and did the tour for the film. Yeah, because he, he was all contracted first of all to do it. Juicy, juicy world of High School Musical. <laughs> but yeah, that's our two cultural references. I go straight to Star Wars or My Fair Lady. <laughs> Michael goes High School, High School Musical. Musical. Tells, says a lot. Says a lot, doesn't it? There was going to be a third instalment. Mm-hmm. Um, the cast, I don't know about the whole cast, but certainly um, Julian McMahon was contracted for three movies, which is why okay. his um, demise at that in this movie is left as ambiguous as it is. I mean, we thought yeah. his demise in the first movie was definitive and that turned out to not be the case. And we see him sink down to the bottom of the ocean in this movie, but we don't see what becomes of him because yeah. they wanted to to keep the door open for a potential third instalment. Similarly, we see at the end of this movie that uh, it might not be the end of the road for the Silver Surfer because mm-hmm. there's that little stinger just before the um, the end credits. And we know that the Fantastic Four decide to continue as a team, having discussed breaking up the team through the movie. By the end of the movie, they're like, no, we're a team. And then they go off having more adventures. So the, yeah. the door was definitely left open for a threequel. But after this movie didn't perform so well at the box office it was decided to scrap those plans. Oh, sorry, go on. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I just wondered because these films both have, well, one has an end credit scene and one has a mid credit scene, a bit with the flying silver mm. surfer. You see him kind yeah, of like yeah. floating in space and he grabs his, and the board flies behind him. Are these the first movies to, in the Marvel world, because it's such a thing, to actually have introduced those concepts of a mid credit scene that's become so iconic? Actually, no. Uh, the first oh. one, the first Marvel movie that had post credit scene was Daredevil in 2003. <gasps> You'd be forgiven for forgetting. <laughs> uh, do you know what? Do you know what? I actually don't dislike that movie. The theatrical release is a pile of turd. But the director's cut of that movie is fantastic. 
yeah it is much better it is oh, much it's better. so good and i'm just like what did you do there's a whole storyline they cut like 30 minutes out of it uh, with coolio the whole court case is amazing so Daredevil was yes. the first to do it, wasn't that? Daredevil was the first, and then obviously yeah. these two both did that. I mean, it was it was the the Iron Man, wasn't it? It was like the one that made it a thing. Yeah. Which uh, Iron Man came out in two thousand and eight, so a year yes. after Silver Surfer. Um, but yes, it wasn't Iron Man wasn't the first one, but I think a lot of people so would regard Di- it so, as the first. So so Disney wasn't the first people to introduce the credit scene. It was. 20th Century Fox, and now Disney's made a thing about mm. crazy world because Daredevil was 20th Century Fox as well. Yes, I was it, so, yeah. or was it Sony? No, I think it was 20th Century Fox. I'm Certainly sure. wasn't Disney. No, it wasn't Disney. So yeah, that's and that's spawned a whole thing. I mean, that's become an iconic thing now as well for Marvel movies and for most, oh, like not even Marvel, most movies now. Where and it's a really clever marketing thing, isn't it? Because it gets you to stay till the yeah. end. So sorry, I, I, we we've drifted from your section. Let's go back. We have to... drifted, and it wasn't even my fault. Well, look, you've got a choice no, now. Fault. We can either drift back to my section, which all I've got left to talk about is um, I was going to mention a couple of the characters in and how they have how they're different from the comic books, or we can just skip on and talk about the movie. No, no, no. Go ahead. If I don't like it, I can edit it out. <laughs> harsh, harsh. I'm not gonna your... So the thing is. But the two that I was going to talk about are um, two of our side characters. Uh, One is Frankie Ray. This is the first time we see her. And I think the only time we've seen her in uh, a live action movie. But she's she appears quite a lot in the comic books. Her story is very different in the movie from how it was in the comic books. Um, She was never in the military in the comic books. She was an interpreter for the UN. She was Johnny Storm's girlfriend kind of a bit on and off, but not for very long. And then she discovered that she had uh, repressed memories and latent torch-like powers. So she ended up becoming Herald for Galactus. Like Silver Surfer did, but in a different bit of the storyline. In the comic books, Galactus is a previously human cosmic entity. He's not like a sentient cloud. Like yeah. he's in the movie. Weirdly, they they decided to make Galactus this kind of weird cloud thing, yeah, because they thought it would be too far fetched to make him a, a sentient being, to an actual being, or like a godlike figure. Which, when you put that in the context of, we're talking about a guy who can stretch, a woman who can make herself invisible, a guy who's made <laughs> out of stone, and another guy who can turn himself on and off fire at will. Yeah. Um. And another guy who flies on a metallic surfboard. But that's the point at which it becomes unfeasible to make mm-hmm. Galactus be a godlike creature. Or anyway, so they yeah. made him this weird dust cloudy thing. But in the comic books, he he used to be man and then he became um, this kind of cosmic entity. It was Frankie Ray who uh, led Galactus to the Squirrel homeworld. They took her prisoner and then she is rescued by the Silver Surfer. And that's the first time that those two characters meet in the comic books so this the bits of storyline that are used from the silver surfer for this movie don't yeah. feature frankie ray at all so basically they've they've taken a character and used her to kind of name drop for the people who know the comic books well yeah they've used her name so that people go oh that's that's her she's in the comics but actually the character that we see in the movie bears very little resemblance 
to the character in the comics. Similarly, Alicia Masters, she has a very different arc in the comic books. She's the stepdaughter of uh, the supervillain, the puppet master. So she, to start off with, she's helping him. And then when she meets the thing, she switches allegiance and starts to support the Fantastic Four. In the comic books, she does feature in the Silver Surfer story as it appears in this movie, but it's it's Alicia rather than Sue who is the one that convinces the Silver Surfer to right. uh, challenge Galactus and save the Earth. It's not Sue that, that does that in the comic books. Her love life is a bit complicated. It's a bit mad. So she, uh, she falls in love with the thing, as in the movies. But then he leaves to go and live on an alien planet where he can resume his human form. She stays behind. She stays behind and falls in love with Johnny. Ends up marrying... Is she blind in the comics? Yes. Okay. That's cool. Yes. She is blind in the comics. She falls in love with the Human Torch. She marries the Human Torch. And then we discover that actually she was kidnapped and swapped with a skull spy prior to breaking up with Ben in the first place. So the Alicia that marries Human Torch is not Alicia. The Alicia that broke up with Ben is not Alicia. Ben comes back. They find the real Alicia. It's all very complicated. Um, And then after all that, she ends up with the Silver Surfer. Well, I hope. (laughs) <laughs> making around, making around. Now, don't no, no slut shaming here. Love no. who you love, but like, love who you love, like, but don't. But just keep it. Don't keep it in the same friends group, man. Don't, don't shit where you eat. Just, yeah, don't shit where you eat. <laughs> Spread your seed far and wide. Don't just oh, work around bleh. one little social group. Anyway, but, that, but that's that's really interesting because I didn't even when you said you were gonna when we thought I thought you'd go into depth about characters in this. I didn't once think you'd pick them two characters. What's really interesting to listen to that they were no, well, that's more just than because just I these knew characters. Well, because because the the main characters are their canon is quite well known. Yeah. To those that want to know it, and also they're they're not taken too far away from the no. the, the characters from the mm. from the comic books. But it, as I was researching and finding out, I re- I realized that these two characters existed in name at least in the comic book so I was like okay well what what's their story in the comic book yeah and so and with both of them as I was reading I was like actually that's really interesting that they did this whole and it's partly because like I said the the Fantastic Four universe is is way vaster than this is not like with Kick-Ass they turned a book a comic book into a movie well a graphic with, novel you know, that's very yes. different these are comic um, books and then there's graphic novels yes you know, they're the different, different, yeah. Well, yeah, different and, but interestingly, because I, I did look it up for Kickass because I thought, should I be calling it a graphic novel? And it's everything I found online, it's referred to as a comic book rather than right. a graphic novel. But it is what you and I would think of as yeah. being a graphic novel compared to, yes, the, the individual, these are very episodes. much comic books, which yeah. is, yeah, a, an ongoing kind of catalogue of, yes. of freestanding stories. Um, which so then by its nature, it becomes this kind of vast universe and you have to either keep adding in new characters to get new stories or you create these hugely complicated storylines like with Alicia where she's in love with this guy and then but then we have to it's like with soap operas isn't it you think well I really liked what I I always my I've my brother's never been a comic book fan never Mm. but he really liked the Silver Surfer when we were younger so I always thought the Silver Surfer character yeah and okay. I, I always thought that it was its own entity, but it's not. It was always linked to Fantastic Four. It got introduced mm. introduced to in the Fantastic Four universe in issue 48, what was in 1966. 
And I was like, how far was that within the Fantastic Four realms of that universe? But Fantastic Four only came into publication in 1961. So it wasn't far after. Oh, okay. Were... So that was, I was quite shocked to find that out. I was a bit like, oh, I always thought it was like, I thought they were trying to shoehorn in the, fan, the Silver Surfer into the Fantastic Four movies so he could have his own spin-off thing. What they were looking at doing as well. They were, the- yeah. In terms of the movie franchise, yes, they were. They were as well as looking to have another Fantastic Four movie. There was potential with that stinger that we talked about. There was potential for a, a standalone Silver Surfer movie. But then, as you say, as the Silver Surfers never existed outside of the Fantastic Four, mm. I'm not quite sure what they would have done. How they would have created a story for him, unless they went back and did his like prequel well, they, story he- or. He had his own comic book series because that's how I thought he originally was. He had his own series, ah, so he had a spin off series. Yeah, he had he had his own comics in the eighties because that's how the that's how I was aware of the Fantastic. I mean, the Silver Surfer. I wasn't aware of him being with the Fantastic Four until this movie came out. Mm. So I always thought that he was he was like they shooed horned him in. I didn't think ever think he was related in any way whatsoever to. The uh, oh, so you thought for the movie they'd made like a crossover? Yeah. But I was wrong. Ah. They, they always had him in the because I read comics as a young kid, and my brother really liked the F- Silver Surfer, and I was like Marvel. I didn't really know much about it. I'm more of a DC person. Yeah, you were a DC boy, weren't you? Always and forever, DC forever. Wow. Okay. Hardcore. Uh, hardcore. I mean, I I was never into comic books in that way. I read comics when I was a kid. I read the Beano, but I never was into um, comic books in in yeah. this sense. What do you like in this movie? Do you know what? I really friggin' love this movie and I really like the original one. Are you when I when these movies first came out, I really, really preferred the Rise of the Silver Surfer than the original Fantastic Four. Mm. And re-watching them for this podcast, my my I think I've matured because there's more action and more like constant storyline about the bad guys in the sequel i think as a younger viewer mm. i preferred that as a more actual but going back as an adult 20 years later and watching these movies i really kind of like looking going oh my god that first film is such a good world building movie i really yeah. liked the, the the development i really liked getting to know the characters again and you know the cast is fantastic in this yeah like like i give me more comic book movies where you've got a camp as asked baddie and superhero superheroes in spandex. That's all I want. And then put yeah. a really thin storyline on. I don't need this in-depth world that takes 10 movies to tell a story. Just give yeah. me action and campness. And these movies give me both of those things. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, I but don't... The, the thing I like is, yes, it's everything you just said, but it's not... It doesn't take the camp too far. No. It it takes itself just seriously enough mm. that it's not ridiculous. So what we, we talked about this uh I can't remember when. A few days ago, last week. Yeah. I don't know. My my timeline of life is a bit hazy at the moment. But we talked about the fact that with, for example, the MCU, which don't get me wrong, I watch I haven't seen all of the MCU movies, but I've I watched have. most of them, yeah. as have you. And by and large, we've both enjoyed them all. This is not me saying they're not good movies, but certainly now that we're at the stage we're at now in whatever generation of of the universe we're in. Phase four. um, 
Phase we've four. Just, we just phase finished phase four, four. for fuck's sake. I... Um, <laughs> the movies tend to be either very um, deep and complicated, mm-hmm. and there's a lot going on, and it's very serious. For example, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Madness. Is that what yes. it's called? You didn't like um, that. Which took a lot of concentrating on my part. And I didn't not enjoy it, but I found it hard work. And a lot of the, the recently you watch it and you're like, okay, that, okay, I've watched it for completion, but it was hard work. Or then at the other end of the scale, you've got like your Thors where they've gone, nah, fuck it, it's still going to be fun. And it's so silly. And again, I quite enjoy one. it. No. Yeah, you see, you, it was too silly oh. for you, wasn't it? Well, my problem I, was it, for it a bit was, of lighthearted relief. But it wasn't we the enjoyed it. that annoyed the hell out of me. It was the fact of, the if you're going to make a comic book movie, the campness needs to come from the baddie, not the goodie. The goodie is supposed to be the... Yes. And the, yeah, what yeah, yeah. Roderick did yeah. was flip it on the head. Chris, yes, because you have Christian Bale being very straight well, no, he and was serious. Very, yeah, he was like thespian and so yeah. serious. He was and properly acting. Got, you got fucking flying barring goats and relationship <laughs> issues. It was not even funny. It made me so angry. It was angry. a bit funny. No, it wasn't. I'm sorry I brought it up. But anyway, my oh, point it made is, me angry. My point is, yeah. these movies, both of them, um, find that balance much more. It's lighthearted. It's camp. But it's not silly. It's not... The only bits you laugh at are the bits that are like, you know, you've got your cheesy one-liners. Yeah. You've got, you know, you've got all those things that you love in a, a comic book movie. But it's not, um, it's not too silly, but it's also light enough that you don't have to. I don't want to have to think when I watch a comic mm. book movie. Yeah, no. Because if if I want to think, I will put on a a thinky movie. Um, a comic book movie should be. I don't mind having to follow a plot, but yeah. I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to remember what happened in the last movie. Don't want to have to remember what happened three, four movies, particularly when it's a franchise with what, like twenty movies now. Yeah. Um, oh no, I think it's like 38, 40 Oh, it's insane Anyway, <laughs> I, I do like the Marvel Expanded Universe But it's getting a bit much for my little You like, yeah. Halloween confused me As we've discussed many times now The Marvel Expanded Universe Is too much for my tiny brain This, same characters Every single time um, You really you see the, the team Really cement itself in this movie as well Like, the, yeah. like you say, the first movie Established so much whilst not being boring yeah. um in the second movie it allowed them to just get straight into the storyline they didn't have to set anything up because we knew yeah no. we turn the movie on we see the characters we go oh, okay everything's the same i don't have to learn anything new we can get straight into things and i really like that in this movie um and also special mention to uh one of my favorite movie scenes i'm not i'm I'm an old lady now and I try not to objectify people in movies too much, but I was in my twenties oh, when this movie came up and I did not have that God. problem. You know exactly what scene I'm talking about. <laughs> this is one of my favorite scenes <laughs> in movie history. The steam scene. Mr. Storm, we're heading to intercept the surfer in 10 minutes with or without you. Were you just waiting outside the bathroom to try and catch me in a towel? <laughs> well, Chris, and, and the thing is, I don't feel bad about objectifying him in this talking about this scene because why else does this scene exist yeah no, this scene is here for you to go oh my god chris evans is hot and quite frankly oh my god chris evans is hot in this movie this is the thing this whole film the whole storyline in this movie this whole film is designed as a vehicle to push chris evans like even to the point of 
because the first film, that's when everyone was like, oh my God, Harris is hot guy. And he was the selling mm-hmm. point for the movie. So when the sequel came along, they gave him the biggest storyline out of all four of them. Yep. They made him the focus at the end of the movie. This is Well, yes, vehicle. because originally it was supposed to be Reed who came up with the idea of we can combine our powers in Human Torch. Yeah. And it kind of gave him, having been that kind of fluffy, materialistic, fuckboy character yeah uh in a very pg way because they quite deliberately kept these movies family friendly but you know what i mean when i say fuck boy, like, he's a fuck boy <laughs> um <laughs> um but they quite deliberately said okay we need to show a bit of depth to this character so that having mm. been that complete uh kind of he's not a dick but he's he's a a boy it's yeah. kind of his coming of age moment, isn't it? In this movie is where he goes, okay, it has to be me. I have to be the one to step up. And you're right. It's so that they could give Chris Evans a chance to shine. And then yeah. they, you know, they also gave Chris Evans a chance to show off his pecs. And oh my God. steam on camera and all the the women of a persuasion and all the men of a persuasion just kind of go, oh, okay. But that, that he was there to sell tickets for the fanboys of Marvel to bring their girlfriends to watch this movie. Because most girls back then, yeah, most girls back then probably were into comics. So they'd probably be like, the boyfriend yeah, yeah. going, do you want to go and see Fantastic Four? And they're like, oh, Chris Evans in it. Yes, I Oh, do. yes, I'll go and see that. <laughs> yes, they will like they will like that. They will like that. I will be there. Yeah. Buy me oh. a ticket, boyfriend. Mm. Um, yes. So as much as I don't like to objectify people in that way, because I'm a proper grown-up now, I wasn't a proper grown-up. Legally, I was, but really, I was not a proper grown-up when this movie yeah. came out. I had no problem with objectifying him then, and there is no, no other problem reason. now. I have no problem now. <laughs> there is, is no other hot. reason for this scene to exist other yeah. than to make people objectify him. So I have a clean conscience. What didn't you like in this movie? Oh. Anything? I, you know, when when I was watching the sequel, this one. I was the one thing I thought would be good, and I thought they would have done it, not done it. Is the one thing they do very well in Spider Man movie is they always show him a montage of him dealing with like small petty crime, like like mm-hmm. you know dealing with like like trying to stop a bank robber or someone trying to stop a a bag thief. They do them in Batman movies as well, just to kind of like keep yeah, it slightly yeah, yeah. grounded. And I would have liked an opening montage, yeah, everyday in this neighborhood Spider Man. Yeah, I would like some smaller montage, kind of like instead of doing this massive galactic storyline, just the beginning to you know what you've they've been up to between both movies. You know, them stop doing stopping a bank robber or you know something like that. Yeah, right? they only seem to do, deal with kind of massive global crises rather than. Yeah. But they, so what have Doom, they been doing for those couple of years since the the last Doctor, movie? Nothing. Nothing. They've just been kind of like you know just waiting for Julian McMahon to crop back up. Oh my God, he's so good as Doctor Doom. He is. I really like him in this movie. I like. I, I'm trying to think he's of things so I've calm. seen him in that I don't like him in, and I can't really think of any. No. And his American accent is good. It made me yeah. the the one thing. Um, I lo- I do love Ian Griffith. I think I've already said this. His accent is a little bit patchy sometimes. I didn't notice. Is the only thing. Did you not notice? No. Maybe because I've seen the the things I've watched with him most recently. He's been um, playing British and using his own welsh accent as well as doing stuff with english accents um so there was just the odd little word that i was like oh that's that's clearly a tricky word for a welsh guy to say in an american accent whereas you've got julian mcmahon um who is australian 
and his but he's been playing american accents oh i think the only thing i've ever seen him yeah. be australian in his home and away but i think his, his entire movie career i think he's been playing american and his american accent as far as i could tell was was top notch the one thing i would change in this movie and this is with 2022 brain on and maybe in 2007 people didn't really think about things like this in this way but i think if this movie was made now alicia would be played by a blind actress yes i think i think it's a shame and i think the way and again i love kerry washington generally speaking she did a great job she did a great job she did but then there were a couple of moments there's a scene where she's with um she's with ben and johnny and they talk to her and she doesn't turn her head to talk to them she carries on facing the way she was facing and it just it seemed to me obviously as a fully sighted person so I'm aware that I'm kind of steering out of my lane a little bit but I was just like that doesn't look natural to me surely she would turn even though she can't see them she would turn to where she can hear that they are to face them well I also think that's probably a director's choice more than her choice yeah probably probably. if they turn towards her uneducated viewers will go like oh she's broken that third wall yeah yeah yeah. why is she turning to face them when she can't see because because people that don't know blind people or have any interaction with blind people they probably just think that they stare into mid-space the whole time yeah you know but to be honest with you if i was in a scene with chris evans and they said look the other way it's probably best for character development (laughs) yeah she probably just did it not to get distracted maybe um yeah so i think if, if this movie was made now i think that's one thing I hope they would change, and I think they probably would, is, yeah, is to have a blind actress in that role. Other than that, do you know what? There's there's nothing really that I don't like in this movie. Mm. It's not an amazing, it's not like the best movie in the world. Oh, no, but it's a good Sunday um, afternoon movie. But I really enjoy it. I could watch it over yeah. and over. Um, it's one that I think in a few years I could probably enjoy watching both of these movies with my son. He's almost yeah. old enough, I think, because they are quite family-friendly movies. Well, they're making a new and one. And it's a nice, moment, easy they? way of getting into the market. Yeah, well, yeah, but, but they tried that and it, see how that turned out. What do you mean? The reboot in the 2015 reboot, that didn't go oh, yeah. so well. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I, I didn't dislike that either. I thought it was an all right movie. I, I prefer this one, though. This one oh, is 100%. better. Like, I'd, yeah, I didn't mind it. I think if this one didn't exist, I wouldn't have beef with it. But not that the, mm. the, they tried taking it down that straight. Like Dark Knight, kind of, and take they took the mm-hmm. campness out of it, and I don't think Fantastic Four would exist without the campness. Like then, who they're looking for to do it now is Emily Blunt and her husband, who did the Quiet Place. Um, John John Krasinski, because he plays Mister oh, Fantastic. Yes, yes, because he was fan- he was Mister Fantastic in Doctor Strange. He was yes. Yes, you're okay. right. Oh, and they're going to get Emily Blunt in as well. They want Opposite Emily him. Blunt in, but they're a bit like, oh. do they want to be tied to the the Marvel universe for the oncoming future? Well, this is the thing, and it's exactly like you say. If they if they put the Fantastic Four into the Marvel expanded universe, mm-hmm. what's it going to do to you know? They they then have to become part of that world that we were just talking about. That yeah. actually, I prefer the world that they're in in these two movies. Yeah, Chris Evans has also said that he wants like. To, Somebody had a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago and they, he was saying that about him coming, would he consider coming in as a human torch again? And he said yes. So... Oh, really? Even though he's... I suppose because you're doing parallel, parallel universe universes, it doesn't things matter. Now you can just do whatever shit you want and say, oh, it's okay, it's a parallel universe. 
Yeah, because he, all, all it would take for him to do is for them to bring him to Earth One and him to walk past the statue or a picture of Captain America and go and, and human. Yeah, and do a double take and have Thor just standing there looking really confused and being hilarious. Or just yeah. Chris Evans could say, "He's a good-looking guy. Who's he?" Like, like because Chris Evans could pull yeah, that yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, You know, and it's a human torch. Yeah, that's so. true. It wouldn't take very much. I mean, look, anything that gets Chris Evans back into Lycra, I'm I'm all for it. Uh, so Claire, how many, let me think, how many floating destructive clouds would you give this movie? I'm gonna give it three and a half. Oh, okay, that's good. It's it's like I think the ratings on uh on Rotten Tomatoes. I think the critics rating, I think Shocking. they just need to get their heads Shocking. out of their asses sometimes. Oh my God, these critics. Yes. Just have some bloody fun. Enjoy yeah. a movie. Stop being Take your brain I mean, off. You, Let it go you know, I was gonna say stop being so critical. It's their job to be critical. So that's why yeah. quite often with these sorts of movies, the critic scores are a bit lower than the audience scores. The audiences are much better at kind of going, I'm here to enjoy a movie and I'm just gonna enjoy it at face value. Yes. Which I guess is why we've got that discrepancy of 37% critics and 51% audience. But a lot of the audience are quite critical of this movie as well. I'm less critical of it. I think there's nothing in it that I think is awful. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty in it that I enjoy. It's not yeah. brilliant. It's not an amazing movie, but it's a good sequel, I think. As a sequel yeah. to the original, it does a good job of taking what we already know about the characters and about the universe they live in and putting in another story. It, it adds in... A few new characters. We've got a new um, big bad, if you like, in inverted commas, and a new henchman. But we've still got our old baddie that we loved from the first movie. We've got our heroes that we loved from the first movie. Their their dynamic Mm. is much the same. It's a nice, it's a comfortable movie because it doesn't veer too far from what we already know. So, yeah, three and a half for me. How about you? Well, thank you for uh, Claire's coffee. Did I just say everything? Yes, Claire's ah. coffee just gave a full breakdown. Um, Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, I was like four it... hours ago as well. <laughs> Terrifying. Um, I would give it four star, four floating clouds of destruction. I had a great time with it. I let it go over my head. I love the chemistry with all the main cast. I really, you know, I, I like the dynamic that even the baddie has a past relationship with these characters. I love the fact that mm. they were all polished friends. You know, I I thought I, I I'm really into this world of Fantastic Four. I love the campness of it. I love the, you know, there's nothing for me that this movie does wrong. I, it, you know, it's got eye candy and Chris Evans. It's got and Jessica like, Alba for those that prefer that kind of eye candy. Yeah, not for me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be uh, fair, though, she's hot. She is hot. She's not my type. She's hot. <laughs> but overall, I would, you know, I'd give it four floating clouds of destruction. I would, I really, I just don't see what the hate is. Just turn off your brain, let it go over your head. It's a comic book movie. This is before studios mm. wanted to pump every best writer and director into comic book world. This is just yeah. world building. It does what it does. I prefer these older, late 90s, early noughties world of, comic book world than what we have now even in the dc world i'm just like that and the fanboys are so well if you heard my our batman episodes the fanboys to me are just they they just they're so destructive because they can't decide what they want 
back then there wasn't mm. fanboys for comics. So there wasn't that kind of like need to please people. It was just pure yeah. popcorn entertainment and enjoy it for what it is. Absolutely. So that's Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer for you. Listeners, tell us what you thought of the movie. You can leave us a comment. You can email us on unlovesequels at gmail.com and you can find us on all the socials at unlovesequels. Guys, if you want us to cover the next, the following up Fantastic for the reboot with the Billy Elliot guy. I've forgotten his oh, name. Anyway, who guy played Billy Elliot? He was Billy Elliot and his name's jumped out of my brain. That's Tom why I said the Billy Holland. No. No. No, that's Claire, bad. How that's, dare you? That's Spider Man. No, because he was a Billy Elliot in real life. Yeah. He was a Billy Elliot life. on stage. That's why I'm getting confused. I think in real life, he's another actually coffee. Billy Elliot. <laughs> No, Tom Holland was Billy Elliot in the West End. I've forgotten the guy's name. I know exactly who you mean. So you just interrupted me for no reason whatsoever. I was trying to help. <laughs> I'm sorry. She didn't help. But guys, it's goodbye from me, Michael, and Claire's coffee. <laughs> from my coffee. And from me, Claire. <laughs> Take care, guys. <laughs>